What do a school teacher, product engineer, and professional ballerina have in common? They're now all in sales. I'm Morgan Smith, and I'm your host for this special five-part series on breaking into tech sales. I'm having special conversations with sellers from non-traditional backgrounds, unpacking their story and discussing what they learned on their journey into tech. Now, on to today's episode. Today, I'm talking with Crystal Tabert, Enterprise Inside Sales Representative at Gong. And I am so excited to talk with you because you have such an extensive sales background that is not in like traditional SaaS. And I also know that you have a lot of lessons learned as you've been brought into the, the weird and wild world of Gong. And uh, I'm, I'm just so excited you're here. So thanks for joining the show. Oh, so excited to be here. So thanks for having me on. Yeah. So let's maybe start with like your background and your story. So when did you get started in sales? Like what was your first sales job? So actually my first job ever was Baskin Robbins. So scooping ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of calories gained, lots of lessons gained there. But then I, you know, found my way into restaurants and hospitality worked for the Four Seasons for a few years as a server and then worked my way up to supervisor there. After that, I decided I wanted to get into sales. And so I tried to figure out how am I going to do that? You know, given my only sales experience was selling margaritas or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) I, I started small with this locker lock company of all things. And I started as a customer service rep just to get that office experience After a few months there, I think it was about three months, I quickly moved into a sales role and that was super exciting. With it being such a small company, I learned all the things. I I processed invoices, I did marketing, I did sales, I did operations, account management, partnerships with other companies and lots, lots to learn at a small company. But after a couple of years there, I decided I wanted more. So I started looking into other companies, building connections on LinkedIn. And that's what led me ultimately into SaaS, which led me to Will Aiken, which led me to... Will Aiken, shout out. Yeah, if you look at my headline on LinkedIn, I am president of the Will Aiken fan club, self Jelly. It's a great title. <laughs> and he was so helpful with me coming from such a different background in sales and helping me to understand what it takes to break into SaaS. And so, so helpful and recommended things like Aspireship and Thursday Night Sales, which both of those were life-changing as well. And I would contribute those three things. Will Aitken, number one, (laughs) Aspireship and Thursday Night Sales is ultimately what helped me break into SaaS Mm. and helped me land my dream job at Gong. That's (laughs) awesome. I love that background. I didn't want to go all the way back to Baskin-Robbins days, but (laughs) maybe to your hospitality. It's it's one thing I, I hear a lot. And it's because I see a lot of people from hospitality eventually get into sales, not necessarily like SaaS sales or high tech stuff, but they, you know, move between those roles fairly often. So what are maybe a couple of skills that you learned from your hospitality days that have translated really well into your role at Gong? Great question. So I don't know about other hotels, but at Four Seasons, it's all about the customer. You know, it's about creating those wow moments and those experiences that they're going to remember. So I think that's a really transferable skill 
that you can take because if you're doing sales the right way, it is all about the customer and it's about their journey and how you can make that an experience, hopefully a positive one that they'll remember for good reasons. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good uh, focus. And and obviously the Four Seasons brand is well known for their commitment to the customer. That's very good. When you're at this uh, key company, I wanted to understand a little bit more about like Since it was such a small company, what was your onboarding experience like there? Did it exist? Was there an onboarding program? Or like, how did you learn the skills you needed for sales there? So day one was learning the products, which I I think that's, you know, a great place to start with any company. So learning the ins and outs of the actual lock, the mechanical functions, what sets us apart from the competitors, um, what patented features and whatever so yeah, learning the product was day one and then day two, I hit the phones and wow, <laughs> yeah, trial by fire. And mm. I was starting in that customer service role, which was really beneficial because I got to hear the problems from the ground floor. So I knew all the challenges that the customers were facing and that served me really well when I went into the sales role there, because now I understood the product, the competition and the most common challenges and how to overcome that. So that was that was a, a good start. It wasn't the typical onboarding experience, but we got there anyways. Yeah. Well, that's actually really interesting. It's, it's something that I think Nick and I talk a lot about, which is that customer success knows a lot more about customers oftentimes than maybe a marketing department does or sometimes sellers. It sort of depends upon the company. And when you shifted over into that sales role, and you were more of a, an account executive instead of a, a customer success representative. Did you find that your prospects would articulate those same challenges in the same way? Was it like the customers and the prospects were saying the same thing or were the prospects saying things maybe a little bit differently than the way customers, your existing customers were talking about their problems? It's a pretty niche question. I'm just curious. No, it's it's a good question. And I, you know, had it been any other product, I don't know if I'd be able to answer it. But specifically with our locker locks, they were completely mechanical. So the challenges that the prospects faced were they didn't know what problems they had. They thought that was just the way it is with changing batteries and things like that. So it was very much a value sell. And you had to illuminate the problems there because they thought what they had was the best thing. You know, it's top of the line. Everybody knows the brands of the competitors. So really being able to illuminate the challenges and the problems that they're having that they didn't even know there was a better way, being able to articulate that and show them the value of something like a mechanical lock compared to battery operated or something like that. And I think those problems can be translated to a lot of other products out there, especially in SaaS, even though, you know, one is a physical product, one is service oriented, but either way you're solving problems. Mm. It's also interesting too, because it's like experience in fighting the status quo instead of like fighting, I don't know, a competitor in some ways, which I know a lot of sellers struggle with uh, like, okay, how do we articulate our product or our service as better than what you're currently doing right? (laughs) instead of better than something else out in the world? (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, 100%. 100%. (laughs) I can see it's like bringing back memories, I'm sure, of some prospect conversations. No, that's my current struggle, too. It's, you know, even at Gong, I would say our biggest competitor is the status quo. It's they think they're doing everything great because they pull a report and it tells them that, but they don't know there's a better way (laughs) Mm. to get real data, not self-reported data that's assigned a number. 
because mm. reps are going to tell you what you want to hear no matter what. So unless you have a way to overcome the human aspect of that, you're only as good as your whatever your reps are saying. <laughs> totally. So when you transition to Gong, what I'm curious about, and this doesn't necessarily just have to be about Gong, like, a, but maybe we'll start here, which is walk me through your first 60 days with a company. Like, what did they do? So even during the interview process, I will say like every interaction I ever had, even when I was researching their company and downloading their content, everything is very true to the brands, very helpful and exciting and data-driven. And that holds true through onboarding too. So their onboarding process is the most thorough I've ever had in any company, <laughs> uh, even though it was completely remote and it's my first time working remote. The collaboration and the thoroughness and meeting everybody on the team, you know, even with Gong, you have the ability to obviously record sessions. So they could have made it easy, done one onboarding session and just had everybody watch that. But that's not the gong way. So I actually got to meet the CRO. I got to meet the founders, you know. So it was a really positive, thorough, intimidating experience. So much to learn. Mm -hmm. But the way that they broke it down and kept you engaged throughout the entire onboarding session made it a really smooth transition. And then the learning never stops. I feel like I'm still in onboarding, to be honest, yeah, because there's always more to learn. But um, that was, yeah, I would say it was like drinking from a fire hose the first 90 days. But now it's, I guess I've just got better at drinking. I wouldn't say the, the information has stopped being thrown at my face, but that's, you know, that's why I wanted to join to learn. Yeah. I'm always curious about this with sellers who have experience in other industries or, or in other sales roles who come into SaaS, for example. Were there things as a part of the onboarding experience where you're like, oh yeah, I learned that six years ago. <laughs> Is there anything that like came out where you're like, hmm, I think I already knew that. <laughs> mm, I would say the opposite, honestly. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Say more, say more. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of it I'd seen on LinkedIn, I'd studied through Aspireship or, or Thursday Night Sales or other things on LinkedIn. So a lot of it I was somewhat familiar with, but I wouldn't say there was anything like, oh yeah, I already know that. <laughs> and especially coming from such a small company, our only tool was Salesforce, basically. So every other tool that I had to learn, Outreach and Chili Piper and all these other things, that was a huge learning curve. I'd say probably the biggest one was learning how to use all these different tools and resources that I now had at my disposal. Yeah, that was probably the biggest challenge at first. <laughs> I'll ask you this. How do you like to solve for that? Do you just like throw yourself in and start like plugging and chugging and seeing how things work together? Or are there like dedicated operations professionals who can help you figure out how the tech stack works together? Or how did you become comfortable with the tech that now you had to use? That's a really good question. Yeah. So I reached out to my team and my leadership when I ran into specific issues. And usually they'd have a solution right away. But to learn how to actually use it to the best of my ability, I looked at additional resources like Outreach has an academy-like program where you can dive in deeper. So I did some of that, but ultimately I'd say I just dive in and figure it out. I feel like that's the best way to learn is you just got to do it. <laughs> Same with, yeah. you know, with cold calls, you just got to just do it and you'll get better. <laughs> yeah. You had mentioned this word previously of intimidating. So aside from the tech, like what else was intimidating for you coming into this role? I will say I had a pretty healthy dose of imposter syndrome because mm. everyone here is so brilliant and 
a lot of them have, you know, college degrees and business degrees, MBAs and backgrounds in SaaS and tech, and they've been doing it for years. And then here I come like, hey, I used to sell locker locks and, (laughs) you know, and hospitality and stuff. So that imposter syndrome is really hard to combat sometimes. And it still comes up here and there. But ultimately, you know, I'm here for a reason and they picked me for a reason. So trying to remember that and then looking back on everything I have contributed and because it's so much easier to remember when you mess up or the negative things, you know, so that was some great advice that my manager gave me recently. She was like, look what you've done here. Like, just go back and look what you've done. Like, so that helps a lot to just, you know, go back, focus on the positive and say, you know what, listen to those first few cold calls that you made that are so cringy. And then what I'm doing now is so far beyond where I was even just the seven months ago when I started. So Hmm. that helps. (laughs) Do you have any like pro tips for imposter syndrome aside from just, ah, suffer through it? Not, I mean, I'm being glib about (laughs) this, but like, ah, you'll get through it. You'll get better. Like on the day to day, what were some of the things that you were telling yourself and that maybe your team was helping you with in adapting to this new role and becoming confident in the kinds of sales methods and tactics that you really needed to roll out? Yeah, that's a good question, too. I think it helps to know that you're not alone. And actually, a a month or two after I first started, Gong did a, a little group session led by our enablement team that was about imposter syndrome and how to overcome it. And I joined that one. And and it was nice to see that I'm not the only one that feels that way, even though I was brand new. And I'm sure like most people that are new have that imposter syndrome. But I mean, people that have been there for years still struggle with that here and there, or especially after a promotion or something like that. So just recognizing that that's okay. That's normal. You're going to feel that way sometimes, but also remembering like what you've done and how you've overcome that before, you know, in this job, in previous jobs, like Four Seasons being a good example. I was a server. I had no business becoming a supervisor and I beat people (laughs) with hospitality management degrees because I wanted to. I wanted to take on the additional responsibilities. And instead of waiting for it to happen, I made it happen. I saw an opportunity and I said, hey, can I take ownership of that? Can I do this? And I went above and beyond my role. And I think when you do things like that, that's going to give you the confidence and the courage to know that, you know, you can do anything. You just have to want to do it and you have to believe that you can do it and then just do it. (laughs) Heck yeah. What great wise advice. (laughs) I think I'm I'm stealing from Nike. I'm saying just do it. (laughs) Hey, that's why it's popular, you know? (laughs) One thing that comes to mind in in this story and, and getting into this new position for you, and you could apply this to your lock company as well, but I'm sort of interested even recently. What is something that you've been surprised by in this role that maybe you didn't know walking into it? It could be maybe a skill that you had to learn or a, uh, a situation that you had never encountered before or anything like what did you not anticipate for that has surprised you in good ways or bad ways about the role you're in? I love your questions. One thing was At my previous company, it's a small company, so I got to handle everything. I was sales, I was marketing, I was customer service. I did everything on my own. In this role, it's very much more of a partnership between me and my AE. It's a team and there's no competition. We're all competing to help each other win. So that's a really surprising dynamic. Also, the fact that 
I feel closer to this team than I have with anybody that I've worked with, even in person, because we're all working together for the same thing. So that was really surprising because honestly, I was expecting to feel a little isolated being remote, but it also helps that my husband also works at Gong. So we get to work together. <laughs> so that's amazing too. But yeah, so that was a good surprise finding out that you know, even though I'm working remotely, it doesn't feel like I'm working alone. I have this whole team of support. I have a partner that we work really well together and he's more of a mentor and we're tag teaming these accounts. So while it's like hard for me to give up control and like, oh, I can just do it all, but mm-hmm. also recognizing, no, I can't do it all. That's, a, <laughs> you know, it's a very more, much more involved process. So it's going to take time to learn how to grow into that next role. But staying open to that partnership and all the the resources and the great team I have has been the best surprise. (laughs) That's awesome to hear. Speaking about like not being alone or uh, finding community, you previously mentioned like Thursday night sales. Let's all praise and bless Will Aitken uh, as well. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what other resources have you found? And this could be internally to your company as well that have helped you navigate this job in a remote era. And you've mentioned this a couple of times, and and I'm actually still adjusting to this, thinking about the onboarding and training experience for organizations is entirely remote. So yeah, I mean, what are some things that you have found have been really helpful for you adjusting to this? I will insert a shameless plug for Gong. (laughs) (laughs) Gong has been pivotal to my success in every area in learning the tools, the competitors, the actual platform, onboarding, what the next role looks like, what the role after that looks like, getting feedback from my team and my manager, sharing snippets and talk tracks and elevating everybody. You know, when great example, like yesterday, we're working on a new talk track. So I revised my husband's revision of somebody else's revision of somebody (laughs) else's revision. And we basically just keep getting better together. So I revised that talk track and shared it out to the team on Slack. Somebody else made a cold call right after that using that script, tweaked it to his version. It was like the best call I've heard so far. So then I took that talk track and then adjusted it and made it into an email. Now I'm sending that out as an email template today, getting great response there. So we just keep getting better together. And we're able to do that because of Gong, because everything is recorded. We can share those snippets. We can share those talk tracks, even things when we have our whole team meetings, like the entire revenue team and hearing from our COO or, you know, Mm -hmm. the people in leadership that have a completely different point of view, you can take snippets there and just use it on the phone. So it's a great way to collaborate, I would say. (laughs) It's great. I mean, hey, you know, you know the product better than most probably. (laughs) So how much of that do you think though is like cultural? Not to try and divorce it from the tech too much here, but what it sounds like is there's this great piece of software you have, which you also happen to sell, and that enables you to do certain things with it, which is good. But then there's, it also sounds like there's an expectation from your managers, from your team members, from your leadership, that you're deploying that tool in collaborative ways. Like for me, I know a lot of sellers would maybe have to go up and down the chains of approval to modify an email sequence. Mm. Whereas you are just taking, here's, let's try this and let's throw this into the sequence and see if it works. So do you think some of that is, is cultural as well to your company? No, yeah, that's a good question. I never even stopped to consider 
the other companies that don't have that freedom to actually collaborate. That's really sad. Mm. One of my favorite parts is the one of our operating principles is win as a team. And we very much believe that. And we strive to make each other better and enjoy the ride. That's another one. So mm. it is very much a culture thing at Gong, the winning as a team, using team links on LinkedIn for intros and just helping each other out in general. Is there any like skill or I don't know, piece of learning that you've developed just in the last like eight months, I think at Gong, however long you've been at Gong now that maybe you didn't have before? I will say the business acumen that I've gained. Ooh, say more. Is huge. <laughs> because previously I was selling to hotels or architects or, you know, very niche markets. Now I'm selling to insurance companies, tech companies, manufacturing companies, home builders, and you name it. And there's so many different use cases. And to learn how to talk to all these different companies and all these different industries, that is a new skill that I did not foresee. <laughs> I knew it was going to be more challenging, but I, for some reason, just thought I'd be talking to tech companies because that is a huge market for us. But the amount of people we've been able to help in all these other industries has been huge. And it's really exciting to learn more about all these other businesses because I feel like I can go to the store and talk to, oh, you work in this industry? Oh, neat. I know about that now. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> I can have those conversations now and I have a deeper understanding of hmm. businesses I never thought I would, which is really cool. Is there a process for that at Gong or or even for yourself and your team? Because I, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you can use Gong to like, okay, here's how we might tackle this question differently. And, and we infuse some business acumen into it. But like, do you get trained on different ways to talk about the industries or are there like resources that you have access to that have helped you develop this acumen? Definitely. Again, another plug for Gong because... <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> if we were going to get yeah. into it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I would say that's the tool I use the most every day. I just use it in different ways, but we do have different, you know, like a library of different resources. So there's a onboarding section. There's this industry section. There's even a section for uh, Try Not to Laugh, which <laughs> I love that section. It's hilarious. There's some good calls in there. But yeah, I would say like the the main way that I learn, and we have some written resources too, you know, like articles or things like that that we share, but the main and fastest and best way that I've been able to improve my business acumen is by going and listening to the calls with those industries that other people have had before. So I can hear how their business model works. I can hear the questions that they asked, the objections that they gave, the things they care about. And that's been the best way for me to, to learn. How much time do you dedicate to that? It's interesting to me because like, obviously you have plenty of leads to get in front of. Yeah. So how much time maybe per week are you investing in like upskilling or improving your own craft? Yeah. So I give myself an hour for a lunch and learn every day where that's my time to eat and catch up on like gong calls for whatever I want to work on, whether it's like objection handling or a different industry or something like that. Or, you know, not always gong calls. Sometimes I'll go on LinkedIn and watch a webinar or um, different resources, but I dedicate at least an hour a day to my learning and development. And then sporadically here and there, you know, like I attended a webinar uh, this morning on about social social by Jen, Nick and Will, which I think you're a part of too yeah, now. Will, so. Ken, uh, yep. Yeah. 
So, you know, I, I sat in for that webinar too. So I fit it in where I can, but at least five hours a week is dedicated to my own personal development and learning. That's awesome. I'm not really looking for like a singular thing. I was just about to say, is there? And I was like, well, maybe there's more than one. <laughs> maybe I'll ask it this way. What would have changed everything that you now know that you didn't know when you first got into this job? That's a good question. I think maybe learning how to time block a little easier. Ooh, say more. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, organization is not my strongest suit. So that's always been my biggest challenge. But being self-aware and working on that and giving myself tools like time blocking and not just time blocking, but assigning specific quantities to those times. Like, okay, I'm going to give myself 30 minutes. I'm going to call 15 people at least, or I don't know the ratios or whatever, but set your goal. Okay. I'm going to send 20 emails in this time block. I'm going to research one new account in this block. Then I'm going to I have a coffee block for 15 minutes because if I don't put it in there, I'm not going to, I'm going to forget. Like, Why am I so tired? So, you know, just putting those things in order to help hold myself accountable has been really helpful. And then mm. also being flexible to changing those. So I had my schedule perfectly matched out, but then over time started not aligning with what I needed to get done. And I was bleeding into other time blocks. So I was trying to stick to them, but instead of fighting through that, I should have just been more flexible and analyzed like, okay, what am I missing? Why is this bleeding over? Okay, I need to add a block for this. And maybe this one, you know, just being flexible to move it around, but sticking with that structure of breaking down your tasks into specific blocks that you can stick to and giving yourself breaks. <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask, do you have any guidance on like, I heard a 15 minute block for coffee, 10 out of yeah. 10 would recommend. Yes. <laughs> like, is that the smallest block you tend to do is 15 minutes? And then yeah. you usually do like 30s or hours or? So I have a mix. I, yeah. 15 minutes is the smallest. Okay. And I do recommend a 15 minute coffee break so you can just like clear your head and get ready for the day. Sometimes I'll look at my emails or, you know, catch up on a couple things while I'm having my coffee, but that gives me the time I need to really like prepare myself for the day. Then I do just depending on the task, 30 minute blocks, 45 minute blocks, hour long blocks. I don't go past an hour because I don't think you should do anything for that long. And then also like timing yourself, because when I first started, I was like, OK, I'm going to make 30 calls in 15 minutes. No, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> so, you know, you have to figure out what works for you. But keep tabs on yourself. Like, okay, how many calls did I actually make in this time block? And then you can adjust and figure out what works for you because maybe you need to do 20 calls in this chunk and then maybe send 10 emails, then maybe 20 more calls. Oh, and time zones. Pro tip. Pro tip, pro tip. So think about, you know, different time zones and when your prospects are most likely to answer the phone and make your time blocks. Number one, that's the first thing you need to put in there is okay, have a Eastern time call block, then maybe an hour later, central time call block, maybe an hour or two hours later than Pacific time. So I build everything around those time blocks because calls are like number one for me. That's most crucial, most important. So I want to make sure I'm doing that at the right times. So then once you get those call blocks in based on the prospects time zone and sort those in outreach, if you don't know how to do that, um, I can help you now. I can do that now. <laughs> then um, build everything else around that. So you're not missing the the peak times. 
I love that. I love how practical it is too, because I think I'm definitely guilty of setting up time blocks for myself. And then I don't add specific goals or to-dos for that time block. It's sort of like a vague, oh, I'm generally going to do this for the next hour. And I'm definitely going to go take your advice and change up my (laughs) calendar for this next week. (laughs) Yeah, I I just had to revamp mine too. So next week looks completely different from this week because I had to adjust. But yeah, that's awesome. giving yourself those hard numbers and hard goals to stick to in that time block definitely helps to actually get everything done. Mm. For a seller who's maybe in their first week of a job, and and this doesn't have to be SaaS, this could even be at a lock company, (laughs) (laughs) what would be your top piece of advice for them? What should they do in that week? You should learn as much as you possibly can. Just soak up all the knowledge. You should try. Just do it. Do the things. Send the emails. Make the calls and don't take anything personally. Know that everything you do, you're going to get better the more you do it. And this is just part of the learning process. So Mm. yeah, if you keep that in mind and just don't take it too seriously, just, you know, just send the email. If you've revised it like 20 times, you're taking too long, just send it. (laughs) And I'm still guilty of that. My emails take way longer than they should. So send it. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm I'm pretty guilty about that as well. I'm like, hmm, I think I could revise this sentence. And, and the, the little timer is like eight minutes. I'm like, God, no, this Only is too eight? long. That, you're doing good. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay. Woo. I'm at the point where I'm like, is that even a word? Like, <laughs> you're not way too long. <laughs> That's great. All right. So last question, which uh, I want to close with, and I like to call this our gray hair question. So it's sort of thematically online with what we've been asking, but at a more particular level, what's a piece of wisdom that you've learned through all of your sales jobs that you feel is really important to pass along to new sellers and people who are just getting into sales? So tough. I think right now, given the times, just remember like people are busy. It's not always about you. It's not, you, you can't control everything. and sometimes they just need more time. Like sometimes they really mean it. It's not that they're blowing you off. They have things going on. They're getting surgery. They're helping a family member. They got laid off. Like things are going to happen. And I mean, it's it's not easy out there for anybody. So just really trying to put yourself in their shoes and don't make any assumptions. Don't take it personally. Just offer your help, offer your guidance, offer your expertise and trust the process. Wise words. Crystal, where can people find you if they want to connect with you and uh, continue this conversation? You can find me on LinkedIn. (laughs) I don't know if, yeah, I'm sure it's going to show my name. So uh, LinkedIn slash Crystal Tabbert. I'm also on TikTok, same thing, trying to get more active on there. So Mm -hmm. maybe if I have more followers, it'll motivate me to, to post more. I don't know. Or maybe it'll scare me away. We'll see. But that's awesome. <laughs> Definitely add me on LinkedIn, though. Happy to connect. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. And uh, I hope everybody else took away some wonderful lessons about what it means to be a new seller and how to use these amazing skills we all have from our experience and even in uh, new kinds of sales roles in tech and in otherwise. So thank you again so much, Crystal, for joining the show. It's been great to have you. Yeah, thank you, Morgan. It was great to catch up. Did you love today's episode? Subscribe now to have our three weekly episodes waiting for you. And if you really like our content, please leave a five-star review. But if you're not ready to give us a review, check out another episode and follow us on LinkedIn. 
We'd love to win you over. See you next time. See you next time.